soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. It's just, you know when you used to watch Charlie Brown and the adults would talk? That's it for me right now. That's, I'm like Peppermint Patty, just blocking it out. I, I got nothing to say. You know, I'm like Snoopy dreaming I'm in the clouds taking care of the Red Baron or something. You know, like, we want to be men and women of faith and optimism and hope for the kingdom of God. People get beat down every day. Don't, don't go for the beat down. Don't sign up for the beat down. Start the day on your knees, seeking the Lord. Let his promises fill your heart, your mind, your thoughts, and go get it. That's who we want to be because of the hope that's laid up for us in heaven, it says in verse 5. And to bring forth fruit. The God, it brings forth fruit. When you're faithful men, faithful women, and you have faith and believe God to do great things, you're going to produce fruit. You just make things fruitful. Wherever you go, things get better. We're fruitful. A cup of cold water in Jesus' name, it's fruitful. When a kind word, it's fruitful. Mercy where mercy's needed. Bringing people together, a peacemaker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. They're going to inherit the earth. Like, bring forth good fruit. That's what this church was doing. And love in the spirit. So, again, they were faithful. They... Their faith was commended, and also, also their love in verse 4, but that's reaffirmed in verse 8, and that they're bringing forth good fruit, and their love in the Spirit. So there's actually four things there, if you're paying attention under this first point about the church, that they were faithful brethren, that they, their faith was, was commended, uh, they heard of their faith, it was a declaring faith, that they're bringing forth fruit, which faith and faithfulness will produce in a woman's life, in a man's life, in a home, and that their love in the spirit is commended. Now, we know there's different types of love from the Greek language, and we know there's friendship love and uh, sensual love and these different types of love. The Greeks really divided them up. But, of course, agape love is the word attributed to Jesus on the cross. So that word is a, a new, it's a it's a higher word. It's actually a word that's so elevated, it's, it's hard to find comparison because when you translate words, it's really hard to translate. First of all, because it was an archaic word in the Greek language, restored by the Holy Spirit for the New Testament, well, restored by Jesus, because he used the word, to describe himself and what he would do. Greater love has no man than this. By this we know love that Christ died for us, and that word's agape. And we're told in Romans chapter 5 to the church, to believers, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been freely given to us. So a spirit-filled woman is going to have this supernatural love working in her life, and a spirit-filled man the same. And we're also told in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And it's a love that's, that's supremely over the limited love that we have. We all are capable as fallen human beings, apart from the Lord, of showing love. There's natural maternal, paternal love, and things like this, and even uh, brotherly love, and of course there's eros love is in place automatically, but ultimately 
the work of the Holy Spirit in our life as we walk in the Spirit is to produce more of the love of God in our life, the character of Christ. That it's the love that is in the Holy Spirit. Because your love is great. But you being filled with the Holy Spirit and the love of the Holy Spirit being the mark of your love as a wife, as a husband, as parents, as grandparents, or adult siblings, or adult children taking care of elderly parents. Listen, note to self. If you're in assisted living or memory care living, when you're 85, 90, 95, you want someone who's spirit-filled taking care of you. You want someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit and the love of God taking care of you. Because they're going to have an extra measure of eternity preparing you for eternity on the back end of you getting ready for eternity. You do not want carnal, selfish adult children taking care of you if you're in that situation. That's a bad ending. Just saying. It's observable in the human experience. Then we see what Paul prayed for them. So we shift gears now from what was the mark. And isn't it beautiful? Let's stop for a second. Isn't it beautiful that those four things attributed to them as a church congregation? How wonderful it would be if people testified of you and I individually that this is who we are. And how wonderful it would be if people talked about this church, that this, they would say these things. And not just people, but God himself would say that of this church. These are, these are admirable attributes to be pursuing for us as a local church on an individual and a collective level. Then we see in verse 9, we get the, the prayer of Paul. Now, Paul said in verse 3, praying always for you. And then in verse 9, he says, for this reason, since the day we heard of your faith, your faithfulness, your good works, your, your, you know, your fruit and all that, and then your love in the spirit. He says, we do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be. Okay, so this is a pretty famous prayer, actually how the Apostle Paul prayed for this church, that you may be. So this is like how leadership can pray for a church. It's a pretty good template for how we can pray for one another. Of course, Jesus taught us how to pray through the Lord's Prayer in both the Gospel of Matthew and Luke. But this is a prayer of how to pray for others. Now, we know in the Old Testament, time and time again, God emphasizes the need to pray for people, for governments, for nations, for kings. He, he said in Ezekiel, I look for someone to stand in the gap, and there's no one to stand in the gap who would pray. We're told in the New Testament that as we're gathered together that we're to pray for one another, we're to pray for those in leadership, we're to pray for the lost. Pretty much, without a doubt, all humanity is covered in who we're to pray for as a church in our timeline. But here in this prayer, we get these details of led by the Holy Spirit, how we can be praying for one another and to pray for our own lives or for people we love and in the church. This would be appropriate for us to pray for our brothers and sisters in other churches as well as our brothers and sisters here. Ask that we would be, first of all, filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, we know it's God's will that no one would perish. So God wants people to be saved. That's according to his will, but he's given us free will and choice. So those two factors run parallel and We just try and pour it on with the love of God and hope that the choices delegated and given to each soul would be made wisely to respond to his will for salvation. We also know it's his will that we'd be set apart for the Lord as according to 1 Thessalonians in our lifestyle and being consecrated to the Lord once we give our life to Christ, that we'd grow in Christ. But here his will, as we would understand in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we each as individuals for the Colossian believers and for us, the church of all ages, each local church, each believer, each home, that we would, um, that we would be filled, filled, so not half full, like 
half glass of water, a full glass of water, that we'd be filled. This is God's heart for us. That we'd be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. Wisdom's making the right decisions. Knowledge is knowing what things are. Wisdom is knowing the right decision based upon the intel. So knowledge and understanding are, are facts and, and intelligence and information you have, but wisdom is knowing the right decision so that we would all be led to make the right decisions in our personal life, the right decisions as a church, the knowledge of his will in wisdom and spiritual understanding that we'd be led with the Holy Spirit to know the knowledge of his will with spiritual understanding, all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Also, that we may have a walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, so that our day-to-day lifestyle, which we call a walk, would be pleasing to the Lord. That when he looks at our life, he'd say, hey, have you considered my servant, this woman, this wife, this husband, these children, this teenager, these young adults, this senior citizen, that they have a walk pleasing to the Lord. In other words, it's the disposition of our life that the pattern of our life is good decisions made according to God's will and obedience to God's will. It's the blessings described in the Old Testament under the Mosaic Covenant. Choose life or choose death. Choose blessings or choose curses. We can choose the spirit or we can choose the flesh. They war against each other, Galatians 5 says. And so to be have a walk pleasing, obviously we're not perfect. We all have meltdown moments or things that are exasperating to us. The human experience, as we know, is very messy. It's messy for the person you see in the mirror. It's messy for the people you live with, your children, they grow up, your grandchildren, society, the body of Christ. The human experience is messy. And Solomon said in Proverbs that when the stall is clean and there's no manure, there's no increase. But increase comes by manure and and mess. And the human experience is messy. The more people you get, the more messy it gets. But we want to win as many people as possible for Christ. So bring on the mess, bring on the noise, and we'll let God work with it, just like Pastor Chuck did in bygone generation. And let's just keep this kingdom going forward, and let's do our part. It's, it's, um, you know, it is what it is. But in the end of it, as a disposition, we are like a, you know, the compass is to be pleasing to the Lord, that by and large, like walking with a compass in the woods, we're staying on point. This is north, and we're going in the right direction. Oh, we got a little lost here, but, you know, here's north. It's got to go back this way. The idea of having a walk pleasing to the Lord is that the general disposition of our life is we are making good decisions. We're making good choices, and we're doing the right things that reflect the Lord, working in our life, and honor the Lord to those who look at our life. Or as it says, let your light shine before men, not Adam. And when we make good decisions, our light is shining before men and showing them the way of how the quality of life that's intended to have for us. You know, when you think about sin in the, in the garden and the, the loss of the glory of the garden with Adam and Eve, the head of our race, and you think about what they lost, when, we're, when we come to Christ, it's God seeking to restore what was lost. So every good work that God's doing in our life by the Holy Spirit, he's actually restoring what was lost. He's making you more the Eve that was lost as a woman. He's making you more the Adam that was lost as a man. And that's what Christ does for us. He's the head of the new race. And we're the sons and daughters of the king. And that transformation is from glory to glory. So everything he's doing is good. So to have a walk worthy is me being restored to the fullness of what was lost and really entering into the great things that God has for us from glory to glory, as it says in 2 Corinthians. 
So that walk worthy is a big one, just fully pleasing to him. What do we read about Enoch in the Old Testament? That he walked with God and he pleased God and then he was not. He so made God happy, God just said, come on up. We tell him, hey, we all got to face the grave. David said, I go the way of all men. And Jacob said, my end's at hand or whatever. You know, and, you know few and evil have been my days. How would you like to just walk with God and not die? I like that option. Because when you're approaching 60, you think about the different ways you can die and what looks good on you. And if you had to pick door number one, door number two, door number three, and you're thinking, I prefer to go this way, actually, uh, you know, and these sorts of things. But what if you just please God and he caught you up and you just transcended dimensions, you just went, and you're up and you're gone and you're a different dimension like Elijah. Well, Enoch walked with God and he had this testimony that he pleased God. So we should have a walk fully pleasing to God. It, it carries some history in the human experience of of what it means to the Lord. Being fruitful in every good work. Yeah, just again, it's the same thing that they were, so it's a continuation of that. They were bringing forth fruit, verse 6, but in being fully pleasing to God, being fruitful in every good work. That we're fruitful, we're faithful, we're diligent, we, we get things done. And we increase in the knowledge of God. So we want to be growing in our knowledge of God, not just head knowledge, because you know, head knowledge puffs up, but, but love builds up. We want to be growing in the, in the knowledge of God, how he's working in our life. How we see his mercy upon our life. How we see his grace upon our life. How we see his forgiveness in our life. How we see his restoration in our life. And how we just see the carbon prints of Christ in our life. How good God is. Like David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And that we grow in that knowledge of God and his character. God is for us. Romans 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? And God is for us. And all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And all your promises are yes and amen. And, and as we go through the human experience and we go through trials and tribulations, we can say God is for us. And we're going in the knowledge of God in this situation and how he's applying grace to our life and mercy to our life and how he's working it through our lives to the benefit of other people who maybe don't know the Lord. You find people that know about God. You find people that know God through faith in Jesus Christ. And you find people that are completely devoid of any knowledge of God. But in the people that you find that know God, some know God pretty shallow, like an acquaintance. But the cross is there for us to know God intimately in relationship. The cross isn't about religion to know about or kind of casually. The cross is there to know God intimately through the Son. And because Jesus is a man of sorrows, when we go through sorrows, we understand the Lord even better. That's why more often than not, growth in our life comes through sorrows and grief. We are more prone to press in toward the Lord in tragedy, in trials, than prosperity. Prosperity tends to wreck people. That's why Jesus said there are few who, few who are rich enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because their prosperity, they, it says, Jesus interprets, because they trust in their prosperity. That's the danger. And you find, you know, you find is sometimes we just crowd to the Lord because we're going through such a hard time. And suddenly when things are prosperous and good and the cares of this life are choking things out, we just, hey, it's all good. There's money in the bank. I'm not worried. It's good news. I, I had a physical. Everything's great. Kids aren't causing me any problems. It's, life's good in the neighborhood. And, and, but like some people when they have prosperity, they can't handle prosperity. We learn a lot about ourselves, how we handle adversity and how we handle prosperity. And in the end, both have a plan and God's purpose is to increase in the knowledge of God. 
Then he says in verse 11, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. God wants us to be strong in our faith. He wants us to be strong in the spirit, strong in his armor, strong in his power, strong in his promises. He wants us to be women and men who are of men and women of great strength in the spirit. That we are women of courage and we are men of courage and character and we're strong in the things of the Lord. We're not hanging on by a thread, but we're, we're strong and we're strong in him because even Paul said that our, his strength is perfected in our weakness. So even for Paul, who prayed three times for deliverance from his infirmity, he said, it's good because God said to me, my strength is perfected in your weakness. So it's not a strength we conjure up in of ourselves. It's a strength that comes from being connected to the Lord and knowing he's got it. In this last few weeks, we've had four major hospital visit, visit things from my family. My mom almost died again and came through it. Um, Leah had the emergency appendicitis, which was very serious, and that all happened two weeks ago from tomorrow. And then uh, Zippy went into a, a shock from a bee sting, so she went into a reaction shock, emergency room. And then Velzy choked on a leaf and went totally blue and was, was going. But Leah, with her training from Delta Airlines, very extensive training with Delta Airlines when she's a flight attendant, she was in Atlanta for two months training. The Heimlich stuff for kids is something they really, it was, it was very serious to training at Delta because it's always like safety first. And she just did what she learned to do and it dislodged it, but still he had to go in for x-rays to make sure it's not stuck somewhere else. And then they had a situation where they were threatened by people at the beach, a large group of people, very threatening to her, her husband, and everyone else during spring break. And you know what Leah said to me? She goes, when, when Velzi was turning blue, I just cried out to Jesus. When the guy was threatened to pulverize my husband, I just said in Jesus' name and cried out to Jesus. I'm like, right, isn't that what we do? That's what I do. Guy pulled the knife on me in Jesus' name, put the knife away. My wife, we think my wife's dying in the car. Jesus, 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 all the way down uh, Pendleton stretch 12 years ago. My kids still remember it like it was yesterday. My kids were taught to cry out to Jesus. We cry out to Jesus. You know, like I just told Lee, I go, well, good for you. Because who else are you going to cry out to? We cry out to Jesus. Want to be strong in the Lord. Our confidence is in the Lord. That's what we want to do. I look back when the guy threatened me with a knife. I'm like, man, I must have been out of my mind. You know, I should have run. But I was like, no, he was in my car. And I don't know. I just, I don't know what happened, you know. But that's just the way it went down. And to be strong in the Lord, our confidence is in the Lord. To be strong in the Lord. That's the kind of church they were. That's the kind of church we want to be. Strengthened with all might. With patience and long-suffering with joy. That we have joy in the circumstances of life. Verse 12. Giving thanks that we have a thankful disposition I've mentioned this a few times as I started this new year and I prayed about, Lord, what's the vision for the new year? And the first one was to be a spirit-filled man. The second one was to have a thankful disposition. The third one was to have an optimistic position on everything. The fourth one was to be in the moment and not distracted. And the fifth one was to serve people as I was in the moment, to be aware of others. So being thankful has been really big on my uh, radar this year, to have a thankful disposition and to realize that God is in control, is on the throne, and to give thanks. So when we think about this prayer that Paul prayed for them, to be filled with the knowledge of his will, with spiritual understanding, to have a walk worthy, pleasing to him with the fruitful good works, to be increasing in our knowledge of God through the experiences of our life, to be strengthened with his power, and to give thanks, to have a thankful disposition. And there are so many people that are not thankful. 
Like if you look at the wilderness wandering and the Jews that didn't enter into the promised land, the biggest thing that God held against them for their 38-year death march in the wilderness is they were mumblers and grumblers and gripers and whiners. They just did not have a thankful disposition. And I've said this before. The dreamers and the givers and the believers, they tend to be thankful. But the takers, the haters, and the crushers, they tend to be discontent no matter what you do and whatever happens for them. Just that thankful disposition. And then finally, we see in verse 13 what they shared collectively with Paul. So, again, this was their faith and the testimony of their life. This is his prayer for them. But then in verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. We sang that during worship with Scott and Sam. We sang about that deliverance from the power of darkness. It was in our song set tonight. He has delivered us, past tense. We are delivered from the power of darkness and we had transferred to the kingdom of his light. In him is life and the life is the light of men, John 1, 4. And we were translated from moral darkness to moral light. We're literally, we transfer when we're born again, we're born in Adam in death and in darkness and we're born again in Christ and we're brought in to light. The We're conveyed into the kingdom of the son of his love, which is a kingdom of light. He has delivered us. It's wonderful to think that we've been delivered from the power of darkness because it's the power of darkness, the devil himself, and through sin and the fear of the grave that holds humanity in a powerful grip with false philosophies, false religion, totalitarian, authoritarian governments, so on and so forth. It's a The power of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, is a very powerful one. And just through our simple childlike faith in Christ, we are conveyed from one kingdom to the other. We pass from death to life. And this, of course, verse 14, is in Christ. In whom? It's not through a system of ethics or philosophical beliefs or rituals. It is in the person. We have been delivered from the power of darkness and conveyed in the kingdom of the Son of His love in him, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Because our sins have been forgiven in Jesus Christ through who he is and what he's done for us, it's a full forgiveness. It's not an earned forgiveness as we know for the gospel grace. It's a received forgiveness. I want to remind us tonight before we go our way shortly that as we gather tonight, we are not gathering in forgiveness that's been earned. It's a forgiveness that's been received. As many as received him, receive, receive. The forgiveness is received. We believe the message that Christ paid the price for our sins, and we put our trust in him, and we receive that forgiveness. And it, of course, is through his blood. We know that, we're, that the life is in the blood. The Old Testament says that life is in the blood, and it's always a substitution we're told in 1 Peter chapter 1 that we've not been redeemed with gold and silver as if we're paying a ransom, like some abducted person in the Middle East where they negotiate ransoms to get people restored to their families or in South America or other places of the world or even here in our own country. It's not a ransom that's paid for with temporal wealth. It's paid for with the most priceless wealth of the universe, the blood of God, the blood of Christ. So we've been delivered from bondage of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his love and light through the blood of Christ. And it's not the blood of animals. It's not the blood of another man or woman. It's it's the blood that's sinless and perfect. It's the blood of Christ. We have redemption. We are fully redeemed, which means we can live the life that's described here in this opening statement for this church and the things that's going to cover as we go forward in this book. 
It's a wonderful testimony of the church. It's beautiful insight on how to pray for one another in the body of Christ and in churches. But it's that thing that unifies us all collectively together is that we have been delivered from the power of darkness into this new kingdom. If anyone's in Christ, a new creation, and we're in this new kingdom, the kingdom of God, it's, we saw in verse 12, we've, we're qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. It's a kingdom of light and love out of darkness, and it is through his redemption, through his son, by his blood, with full forgiveness of our sins. Man, you wake up in April in 2019, we are forgiven. We are forgiven. It is so good and liberating to know we are truly forgiven of our sins in Christ Jesus. From the past that would cripple us, from the present that frustrates us, and from the future that would cause us fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind, because Jesus Christ is Lord, and he has conveyed us from one kingdom to another for all eternity. So we say yes and amen. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.